Coming up on this episode of the Gotcha 9 Podcast, we have highlights from the weekend, the series win down in Irvine. We have Aaron Parker, true freshman, and we have volunteer assistant Spencer Erdman. That's all next here on the Gotcha 9 Podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by our great friends at Kyle's Kitchen. Kyle leads off with a classic Kyle, followed by an order of seasoned fries, rounds it out with a soft drink or an adult beverage. Check out any of Kyle's three locations in Santa Barbara or Goleta. They are proud supporters of UCSB baseball. Head on into Kyle's Kitchen and say hi to Kyle for the Gauchos. We're also brought to you by Smart Office Interiors, commercial furniture for education, healthcare, government, and the home office. Smart Office Interiors help the Gauchos retool their coach's room. Call 805-965-8585 or visit smartofficeinteriors.com. It's one of the most beautiful views of any campus in America, the Pacific Ocean crashing against the shores of UC Santa Barbara every morning, noon, and night. Here's the one-strike pitch, and Mitchell belts us to deep left. Cabrera is going to watch it fly. He's at the track, he's at the wall, he leaps at the wall, and this one is out of here. Christian Curley. Gauchos are going to Omaha, can you believe it? John Newman. Wins it for the Gauchos. In the score is two. Here comes Mitchell. He's going to score. And the Gauchos are the 2019 champions of the Midwest. And Willow hammers it to center field right at Kendall. This will score the run as Kendall makes the catch. Sprinkle comes home to score, and the Gauchos take a 1-0 lead. Good team baseball here in the fifth. Parker E. routinely sends balls over the fence in batting practice with ease to all fields. To a pitch is hit to center field. Hit well. Kendall going back. He's at the track. He's at the wall. And it's up off the wall. Johnson rounds third. Parker heading to third. He's going to coast in there with a stand-up triple. Pinch hit, RBI triple for Aaron Parker. And the Gauchos lead it 2-0. How about that? Irvine, they hold one of the best strikeout to walk ratios in the nation. Here's strike three called in, outside corner. Lewis freezes Fitzgerald for a 1-2-3, shutdown fifth inning. He's got four strikeouts as we have completed five. UCSB two, UCI nothing here at game one of the series. Here's a breaking ball chopped over the mound. Who's it going to be? It's going to be Oakley. Gloves off balance throw to first in time. And that retires the side. A one, two, three, sixth inning for Lewis. He gets three ground ball outs. Both check that all to the right side. He has retired seven batters in a row, and he's through six shutout innings. We'll go to the seventh. We'll continue this talk about the postseason when we return. Two-nothing Gauchos. Here's the one-two pitch, and it's a pitch out. Runner goes. Here's the throw to second. Oakley with the tag, and it is in time, and the Gauchos win the game. Gianni Bloom throws out Kendall at second base with Oakley dropping the tag in, and UCSB defeats UC Irvine 2-0. It's their first shutout of the season. That's what I was chuckling at, because Kittis' leads are getting bigger and bigger. Antone staring at him. 0-2 pitch to Kirtley. is hammered to left field. Back is Kendall. He's going to turn and watch this one fly. A two-run homer for Kirtley, and the Gauchos tie things at four. Out of Kingwood, Texas. Here's the 1-0. And this is hammered to left field. Kendall is at the track. He's at the wall. He leaps, and this one is gone. A two-run homer for Gianni Bloom, and the Gauchos take the lead. It's 6-5. Lots of room to hit in left center. And the pitch is a breaking ball. Hit into right field, a base hit. 
Willow rounding third, he's coming home. The throw comes into second, and the Gauchos tie the game. Bryce Willits with an RBI single off of Gordon Ingebrigtsen, and we're tied at seven. But no runs came across. Here's Vote, and he lines one into left center field to base hit. That's gonna score Willits. It's gonna go all the way to the wall. Vote heading to third. They had trouble with it out here in the corner. And it's a triple for Vote, and the Gauchos are within two. And first pitch swinging. Vote drilled that one. Three doubles, 10 home runs, and 34 RBIs. And the 0-1 pitch is pulled into right field, a base hit. Kirtley's going to score. Here comes Oakley. He's going to score. Going first to third is Willow. Two-run single for Mortensen, and it's 4-0 UC Santa Barbara. First pitch from Wheeler is hit in the air towards left center. On the move, Spillane. It's up, and this one is off the top of the wall. Two runs will score. Willett's heading to third base. He's going to have a two-RBI triple. To the opposite field, and that one hit off the top of the wall, the yellow railing, and Gallagher kicks and delivers, and this is a fastball hit to center field. Coming in his vote, and he makes a diving catch. Coming straight in from his center field position, and that retires the side here in the first. What a great play out there by Nick Vote. That strands a couple base runners so far today. Here's the pitch, and Mortensen drives this to deep right. Church is going back. He's looking up, and this one is out of here. 11th homer of the season for Mortensen. And the Gauchos tack on a run. It's 8-0. Men have won all of the three-game series. 0-2 pitch to Kirtley is hammered to left field. This one ain't coming back. Kendall will turn and watch this one fly. Kirtley with a long three-run homer. And it's 11-0. Here's Connor McGuire. And he hits a ground ball towards the middle. Could be two. Sprinkle to Oakley. The turn to first, a double play. So Gallagher gets McGuire to hit it to, uh, to shortstop on the first pitch. And the 6-4-3 turn retires the side here in the fourth. Gallagher works around a couple of hits, including a leadoff double, and gets the pitcher's best friend the double play. We'll go to the fifth. Still 11-0 Gauchos. And the 1-0 from King is lined out to left center. That's going to split the gap. Kirtley's going to score. Oakley heading to third. He's probably going to score. And Willow will stop at second with a two-run double. And the Gauchos have four here in the ninth. It's 17-7. Gauchos a strike away. And the 1-2 from Harvey is swung on and missed. And Smith strikes out. Gauchos come to Irvine and take the series. Final score 17 to 7 here this afternoon. Ryan Gallagher gets the win. He improves to 5 and 0. All right, welcome back to the Pueblo Radiology pregame show for Saturday's game between the Gauchos and the Eight Eaters. 2 nothing win for UCSB last night and one of the heroes. You know, I could talk to Corey, but I'm just not going to bother him. Because yeah. he does better when you don't bother him. Yep. Even though he's the general, you know, you just kind of let him be and do his thing. So, Corey, outstanding performance. First shutout of the year. Did you know that? Yes, I this, did know that. My guest here is Aaron Parker, who got a pinch hit triple, which scored the second round of the game in the fifth inning last night. Um, first things first. First time on the pregame show. First interview. Yeah. Um, are you nervous? No, not nervous. Happy okay. to be here. Didn't peg you as a guy who would be nervous for something like this. Yeah, no. Because you got a you got a good chatterbox. Yeah, thank you. Thank <laughs> you. I like to keep things light. Well, good. Um, so, true freshman, you're from Bay Area, mm -hmm. Los Altos. Um, what made you become a gaucho? Uh, I love the coaching staff. Uh, DJ Checkets and uh, Coach Ferg were all on my recruiting trip, and I just felt like it was the right place for me. I really believe in how they play baseball and how they teach the game of baseball, and. I just love the atmosphere and how we treat like our community and how the, the team and the guys mesh with each other. So it just felt like home right away. Okay. And in high school, did you catch and pitch? Yeah, I did a little bit of both, yeah. Really? Yeah. Okay, we haven't seen you pitch this year, no. and 
the average fan may not know, but you pitched a lot in the fall mm -hmm. in those fall games. Yeah. I thought we were gonna have the, the catcher pitcher combination. Yeah, well maybe maybe it down remains the line. to be seen. Yeah, yes. I you know before the season I put a warm up song, so I'm still waiting to hear that. So we'll <laughs> see we'll see how that goes. But yeah, I'd be pumped to be on the mound. For the fans, what's your pitch arsenal? Pitch you... arsenal, uh, I throw a fastball that's pretty straight. And I throw a curveball that's not very good, and I throw a changeup that's also not very good. But if I can put it in the right location, we can get out. So we'll see how that goes if the time comes. Well, the, the fastball, you know, slush with the fastball. It's yeah. 90, 91, yeah. right, on a good day? Yeah, on a good day. And, you know, the height helps for the vertical approach, so it might feel like it's rising for them. So that plays a little bit into it. So last night, so usually when a, when a, a guy comes in, like a new pitcher or a pinch hitter, I'll say, like, here's his height and weight and where, is he, where he's from. Mm -hmm. You're listed as six foot, 190 pounds. That's not true. I'm a, I'm like a solid 5'8". You know, if I put the right shoes on, I can go for 5'8 and a quarter, but. Jason Weller here, there is no way <laughs> AP is over 5'10". Yeah, no. He no, just said 5'8". No, and if I put the forces on, I'm 5'8 and a quarter. I understand where I stand right there. Yeah. you put six feet on the roster? No, I didn't put six feet on the <laughs> oh roster. My. Oh, just... someone did, huh? Someone stole yeah. your phone and threw it. 190 yeah. pounds, 190 pounds. I believe That's that. I believe oh, that. No, no, no. No, we're we're definitely not 190. No, no, we're uh, we're 205, sometimes 207 on a bad day and on a good day 203. <laughs> Pretty particular with my weight. <laughs> well, lots of power, yeah. and last night fifth inning, Blake's not feeling 100, percent and it's a tie game. Yeah. And gosh, the runners are first and third. Jason Willow, our uh, our other guest, who just stopped by, sacrificed fly to center field, and that put you back out, or brought you out of the dugout and yes. sat Trey down. Yeah. So. When did Ferg tell you that you might be hitting, and what was the, the rationale behind the decision to send you up to hit? So, you know, he did a great job with us. Uh, about four or five batters before one of us was going to go up, he talked to us, and he said, here's the situation. If we're looking for a bigger hit, runner on first, which was the case, uh, I was going to go up because I'm a little bit more of a threat for the long ball, and Trey has um, really, really, really good bat-to-ball skills, and he's a very talented hitter. So if he was going to be in scoring position, Trey was going to go up there and do his thing, and so it was just a matter of, where KJ was, and KJ was standing on first base, and um, I got the look from Fergan Checks and said, "Go up there and execute the plan," which was pull him up and hit the fastball. So we got you got a good count to do it in, yes. right? Yeah. The two zero. Yeah, two zero, two zero. Fastball, break them all. Fastball, middle, middle. I like them right there. Fastball, too. middle, yeah. middle, and you got you have power to all fields. Yeah. Uh, we know that from working together first round of batting practice. Yeah. Where you can go. You can go backside linea, homer. You can go high and deep over the center field wall or high and deep over the left field wall. And you put it over the, off of the center field wall. Yeah. And there are not many guys live there playing here at this ballpark. So that's a, that's rare territory. Yeah, I was just, just happy I got the barrel on the ball and um, I, do, I, have, I have some good pops. So I'm kind of mad that it didn't get out, but I'll take what I can get. And I was just happy to be able to produce in that spot. Yeah, so first career triple, first career extra base hit, first yeah. career RBI. Yeah. Uh, you're not two for six in the season, 333. Yeah. Healthy batting average. It's a great average. And the triple improves the slugging percentage. I haven't seen it yet, but I'm sure it's pretty good. Yeah. So um, let's see. First year gaucho, true freshman. Are you enjoying being a gaucho? I love it. I love it. First day of fall, getting your feet wet, and I was like, oh, this is going to be Oh, the be wet so and sandy. Yeah, wet and sandy. Yeah, <laughs> we were getting uh, sugar cookies at the beach, and so I just I just felt like this is going to be such a fun opportunity, and I love playing baseball, and I like playing baseball near the beach, and so I just, I love it. There's not a day at practice on days off where I don't have a smile on my face, so that's just the most important thing for me. So you're from Los Altos, yeah. which is South Peninsula yeah. in the Bay Area. You spend any time in Santa Cruz? I do spend time in Santa Cruz, yeah. My dad has been taking me surfing um, at Pleasure Point. It's a pretty well-known spot in Capitola for some time. I'm not a great surfer, but I can handle my own, and I really like to be in the water with the board. Hit any breaks in Santa Barbara? Uh, sometimes, yes. I go sands and sands and devs when it's good, but most of the time on our off days, we take our boogie boards out and like to get pounded in the, in the shore break. <laughs> so that's what we like to do on our that's off fun. days. That's fun. That's yeah. fun. So you and Curtly, Christian Curtly, you share something that's unique. Um, yeah. I'm going to say unique because I think you guys wear it with a badge of honor, but yeah. type 1 diabetes. Mm -hmm. So how does that affect your your training and, and your diet and your kind of regimen getting ready to play? Yeah, you know, I think you would say the same. It's uh, it's something that you deal with and it's something that's gonna be a part of your life and my life for the rest of my life, but it's not 
too hard to manage. Um, I definitely think I'm a little bit more food aware in certain times of the day before pregame, but I'd say I'm just I'm just a regular guy who just has type 1 diabetes, a condition that makes me uh, have to give a few shots and administer a few shots throughout the day, but I, I wouldn't say it's anything uh, too challenging to, to stop you from doing what you want to do. Any advantages of being type 1 diabetic? Type 1 diabetic? Uh, Maybe watching the diet a little bit more. Uh, I don't drink too many sodas, if ever, unless I'm low. Don't drink a lot of Gatorade. Uh, so I think just wait, like reducing those empty calories that I think a lot of people try to get away with is, is something that I think is probably the most important in my diet. That's pretty much it. Diet conscious. Yes. And that, that's a big thing, especially in athletics, and some guys have a hard time with it. And it's something that you learn, especially at this age, yeah. at this time in your lives where you're really maturing yeah. physically yeah. And, and you've got kind of a, a built-in advantage. Yeah, you know? and so, yeah, we work, uh, when I was younger and I first got diagnosed, we worked a lot with portion sizes, and so I can eyeball kind of the carbs and the sugar intake I have throughout the day, and so when I am trying to lose weight or if I do feel a little chunky one of the days, I know I know kind of where to where to cut out, cut out my carbs and how to get away with eating cleaner. That's cool. Uh, that's something that I think I do a decent job about, but yeah. I think the, looking at the portion sizes and stuff, yeah. sometimes I'll, Definitely. I'll I'll overdo it on the portion size. Well, let's see. Saturday, uh, another night game. Are you ready to you ready to play? I mean, yeah. you're always ready to play. Yeah, always ready to play. You you like the pinch hit role? Yeah, I don't mind it. I like to be able to bring some energy to the dugout and hopefully produce in the spot that I have to be put in. So yeah, any way to help the team? Have a smile on my face while doing it. Okay. Well, I like that attitude and. Uh, Good to see you have success, yeah. and uh, good luck out there today. Yeah, thank you. All right, my guest on the Gouch and I podcast this week is none other than volunteer assistant Spencer Erdman. Gauchos won the week. They went 3-1. and one. After beating Pepperdine 7-4 on Tuesday, and then they won 2-3 of three in Irvine over the weekends. The uh, the loss on Saturday, however, uh, it broke a 13-game conference winning streak, uh, which they extended to 13 games with a 2 nothing win on Friday. Gauchos 21-3 in the conference, 33-11 overall, and they have a five-and-a-half game lead in the conference with 11 games to go. In the season, six conference games to go with uh, a non-conference week coming up. St. Mary's on Tuesday and Dixie State over the weekend. But let's check in with Coach Erdman. Yeah, thanks for having me, Kevin. First first thoughts on the weekend. Gauchos slugged 5-10, and you had plenty of action over in the third base coaching box on Saturday and Sunday because the Gauchos scored... 10 and then 17 runs. So 27 in the two games over the weekend. Uh, do you like it when the Gauchos keep you busy in the third base coaching box? Yeah, of course. Uh, especially when they split gaps. Cause that makes my job really easy just to send guys. No, no brainer sends. Uh, and that, that feels good. What about the, uh, what's like the hardest, the hardest send uh, in a, in a game? Like if it's down the line or if it's in the gap or if it's like a, a base hit in a in a tight situation where the gauchos need a run or the gauchos like they they don't want to make an out at home plate like one of the hard sends when do they come anytime currently's on second base that's the <laughs> that's the hardest send because he's got just enough foot speed to make it interesting but just lacking enough to where i it's like oh man i don't know i don't know i don't know so and then willis splits it splits the gap with a double i'm like easy send easy send we're okay so uh, throwing, the, throwing the jab at Curtly early in the pod. Early jabs. He's not gonna like you for that. He said, uh, he, he said he has underrated speed. He does. He's got. He's quietly five bags this year and quietly working for more. Uh, that is four more than he had last year. So he, to him, he's on his way up and trying to show off a bit. So I, I believe in him. So I want to test the limits a little bit and and get him a few more. Well, there, there was a moment, there was like a foul ball hit down the left field line. I think it was on Saturday night. And the left fielder was curtly, and he's sprinting towards the line. And I was like, whoa, he's going pretty fast. Did the Gauchos make a change? Is that Willow out there? And no, 
it was Christian Kirtley. He didn't get to it because it was slicing away from him, but he got a lot closer than I thought he would. So Kirk, Kirk shout out Kirk. In the outfield. He gets out. He does. And he, he plays a, a great left field for, for UC Santa Barbara. And he's been doing that all year long and pretty much for the last couple of years, really. So subtle Swiss army knife, Christian Kirtley. Very subtle. Yeah. Subtle. But he can do it. First base, left field, second base, catch. You, he can play all nine if you ask him. Well, and he, he also had a couple of home runs over the weekend, and they were uh, they were loud, loud home runs. Were they not? Yeah, no doubters, no doubters. And the way he runs the bases, I love how he when he hits one that he knows is gone. When he jogs around the bases, he'll speed up as he rounds the bag and then slow back down. It's, he's got good style. He knows how to hit a homer. So. Well, one of them was a two-run shot that tied the game. And then Sunday was a three-run shot, which I think made it 11 nothing. So they were uh, loud home runs, deep ones. Brock Mortensen almost, or, uh, also hit two home runs this week. So shout-out to Brock, who got going with the, uh, with the long ball because he's been scuffling a little bit and found his stroke. And you guys do something special when he rounds third base as well, don't you? Yeah, I hand off the football to him every time. Uh, I went for a high five once, and he, he almost ate my arm trying to secure a football, like a handoff. And so it, instantly I knew, okay, this is what this is what we do. Um, and I, I told him nice job as he was around third base, and he, he thanked, thanked me for it. It was, uh, it was good to see him land on time for a heater and then adjust up and into a hung, hung breaking ball and just – hit a no-doubter to right field uh, in true Brock Mortensen style. So those lofty, lobbed home runs over the right field wall that uh, he gets into, those, and then to go backside knock uh, the A-B before, that was just a really good sign for, for Morty. Let's see. So Mortensen, a couple homers. Kurtley, a couple homers. How about Gianni Bloom? Gianni Bloom, man. Ball. Let's yeah. go. Yeah, I mean, you want to talk about a guy that's absolutely going for it at the plate, Johnny Bloom. He he ambushes, and I love it. Sometimes he's wrong, but sometimes he's right, and the ball goes a long ways. And he almost had another uh, to the warning tracks um, on Sunday. So that was – Yeah, the, the power number's coming out for, for Johnny Bloom. He's got four four long balls, and he hit another one over the weekend. Um, how about uh, – you you heard him earlier on the podcast that uh, Aaron Parker with the pinch hit triple. Yeah, I was gonna give Parker the, the the shout out to begin with. You were talking about Saturday and Sunday and how nice it was to don't forget uh, about Friday score those score all those runs. Don't sleep on AP on Friday and hitting a ball that goes out in any other yard in the conference. It's the top of the dead center wall at Irvine. Are you serious? Yeah, and that wall it's it's what twelve feet high it's all the high. way around. Yeah, double overhead at least. Double overhead, absolutely. <laughs> and that was in a pinch hit role. And I, we, we, I asked him the question, like I saw Trey out on the on-deck circle and I thought it might be Trey, but then the, the scenario changed and then I saw you come out of the dugout. So, like, are you involved? Well, you're at the third base. You're in the third base box, of course. But are you aware of what's going on in those situations where there might be a pinch hitter coming up and – depending on who's on base and how many outs there are, which. Yeah, I know, I know our out. guys pretty well. And I, I think along the game with Chex and, and Ferg. So while they're making the decisions, like, I can kind of see what's happening and what we want to do as an offense and how we're trying to play, uh, play that inning. Um, and so based on the hitter that comes up, I know what to expect as far as what we're trying to accomplish on offense. So based on the strengths and weaknesses of each hitter in the lineup, that that gives a good indication of the style of play that we're working towards. Uh, and it's also nice to know that we can always just play wide open and, and go for it and hit doubles and homers when we need it and, and put up a crooked number uh, regardless of who's in the box. So uh, it's a good good combination to have. And I, I tr- obviously I trust Berg and Jax to make those decisions. So I'm, I'm, uh, I'm just observing and then thinking about, okay, how, what's Berg going to call in this situation? What do I got to prep the base runners for uh, to make sure that we're all on the same page? So Parker's coming around second. Are you waving him over, or are you are you hoping he ends up at third? Like, do you remember? 
Oh, it was an easy triple. I was holding him, making sure he wasn't going to go four. He, he, <laughs> he's he's been grinding for that homer. He, he, so I, I was uh I was I was putting the stop sign up, making sure that he wasn't going to try and go inside the park and get a little crazy. Well, it was a, a nice insurance run, and Gouches only needed one on Friday because it was their first shutout of the year. Believe it or not, it was a, a two-hit shutout by Corey Lewis and Matt Ager. Um, how about Corey Lewis on Friday uh, throwing up the zeros? Just throwing multiple pitches for strikes um, and making big, executing big pitches when we need it. Uh, there was only one guy in the lineup for Irvine that, that got hits. We gave up two hits combined between him and Ager, and it was just one guy that got two knocks. Um, but in general, it's just when our guys fill up the zone, we're – we're tough to deal with. And then the defense obviously playing well behind it. It just, we ended up finishing that game in what felt like 36 minutes. You know, all of a sudden you look up and the game's over and we won. We're like high five and like, let's go. So as an offense on one side of the ball, you're like, man, we got it. Like, let's come back tomorrow and get some more. We definitely left some runs out on the table with red zone situations and execution that uh, we wanted to want to improve on. Um, but on the defensive side, uh, we played good defense. We threw a lot of strikes. So that, that's a that's a healthy dose of a win for Friday nights. Okay, so that's the review for the weekend. Uh, it's a good week. Every, always a good week when you win the week. I'll just go three and one. And uh, always fun for Erdy with lots of visitors at third base um, when you score lots of runs. Um, let's see. What, what other things does Erdy like about baseball? There's not very many things that you don't like about baseball. And when I approached you, to come on the podcast, your first thought was like, I don't want to like break down the games per se. I'd rather like focus on some of the favorite parts, like working with the guys and watching them grow and watching them develop. So let's first get a little background on you because you played and you've coached prior to coming to Santa Barbara. So where'd you play at and what made you want to become a coach? Uh, I played at Santa Barbara City College for two years and then played at LMU for two years. And the consistent theme in my playing career was you need to get better if you want to play here. Nobody wants you and you got you to prove yourself. You got to get better. And so um, I really learned to enjoy the work. And then an old coach of mine, Jeff Walker, at Santa Barbara City College, gave me a phone call um, and said, hey, you would be really good at this and you can try it out if you want. Um, and so I stuck around for a month and coached at San Juan City College before heading off to Australia for a quick hiatus. And then when I was in Australia, I, uh, I coached a little league team and started to like coaching the little league team more than playing the games myself. And so that was uh, a very clear sign to me that this was something that I wanted to pursue. And since I came back, I've been committed full-time to trying to be really, really good at this thing. And let's, let's not beat around the bush. You went to Australia to play, right? Yeah. Yeah. I try. Yeah. Yeah. I, I tried to play. got sold the bill of goods <laughs> and ended up just, just hanging out in Australia for a while. So we'll, we'll leave it at that. My, <laughs> well, my semi-pro career was uh, nothing stellar, but epic nonetheless. Okay. Totally worth it. Well, good. Well, good. Um, so you come back and you want to pursue this coaching gig, uh, like where, like, where'd you get your first, uh, start of coaching? Like oh, was, other than the, other than the, the little leaguers in Australia. It was with the Vaqueros. Yeah. The Vaqueros hooked me up and, uh, uh, Walker let me, let me run the show and said, Hey man, you have free reign with the infielders and the offense to try out whatever you want and tinker. And obviously we developed a, a very trusting relationship uh, since I played for him, I, I knew his coaching style and I knew how we wanted to play uh, at, at the Perch. And so obviously I took the team offensive concepts and applied them to our offense. And then ab above all, just spent every single day with whatever player wanted to get better. I have a really hard time saying no to somebody that says, hey, can you hit me some ground balls? Or hey, can you throw me some BP? Or let's go hit in the cage. I just... I, I was too soft. I could never say no. So just, just because I, I know that I bugged a lot of coaches to hit me ground balls and throw me BP and try and get me better. And uh, so I'm just trying to pay it forward the same way that 
uh, other coaches did for me because I know that it, it really uh, it really meant a lot for me as a player. And so I'm just trying to do the same thing. Yeah. So if you don't know Coach Erdman, you know you're you're kind of the 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 David Eckstein type, right? The uh, the David Fletchers where you're you're undersized and you have to hone your skills and and work extra hard at your craft to get the most out of out of your body physically out of uh out of your skills and it, what's funny is like when we set up offense and we set the machines up and you get in there and take some hacks usually you take a few swings maybe you hit like one over the fence and you're like man how come i couldn't do that when i was playing <laughs> like like your your wealth of knowledge your wealth of knowledge with what your body's doing and what your brain is doing right now is like miles ahead of where it was when you were playing and you like, don't you wish you could sometimes switch that? Yeah. Well, shout out for uh, giving me the goods. I, I follow his lead. He, I mean, I learned so much from him. It's a pleasure to be around every day. And so, uh, I mean, everyone on our team hits over. So why not me? <laughs> I got, you set a good example, right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if Ferg can do it though. I don't know if he he can he can still get one out, but he doesn't try anymore. He he doesn't need to prove anything to anyone. He's he pretends to be a uh, Traxel and and throws throws BP prior to to games or uh, in in team scrimmage to to prep the guys for for weird stuff. That's what. Yeah, he, he blew himself about. out though. Yeah, no, he, he blew, did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, he blew himself out. He he gave it one last hurrah uh, trying to prep us. And it worked. I mean, we got the Traxel, so it's true. Uh, good on Ferg. Totally worth it. So now it's just me and you uh, holding it down for the BP, which I don't mind at all. I don't mind at all either. No, I, I love how we take BP. It's great. And so, so you started at City College, and then a brief stand at San Jose State, and then what brought you to uh, UC Santa Barbara? Uh, a couple phone calls from coaches I played played for, um, and a lot of faith from uh, checks to bring me on. So I, I'm very thankful for the opportunity. That's for sure. I feel lucky to be a part of this program and feel really lucky to be able to show up to work every day. It's a, it's an honor really. And you came at the, the, uh, the start of the year. So like January 21. So you, st- yeah, you came January. in there. So, uh, that was right after Quinn left, uh, Quinn Hawksworth. He took the job at, uh, Bakersfield. And Jones was working with the infielders, the catchers, and the pitchers, and just being a jack of all trades. Um, and so he, I, I got signed on to take take some of the workload off his back and uh, just try not to screw things up. And thankfully, checks uh, checks came with a nod and kept me around. So you work with the infielders. You work a little with the offensive players, of course. You're studying under the tutelage of Coach Ferg, uh, learning about hitting and teaching the offense as well you also involved in in youth clinics so the youngsters the high school clinics um and sometimes like just earlier before we started we were talking about how windy it was today you said that the little guys were super fired up because they were hitting dingers uh, with the wiffle balls with all the wind so like can you get fired up you get fired up for those uh, those evenings and those moments when you got uh, either lessons or, or clinics? Oh, come on, of course. The bat flips that you see in youth <laughs> clinics are out of control. Well, these guys are so fired up when they hit homers. And I, I feel like I've gotten a gauge of just how far away I need to have it to where most guys can hit a home run, but you really got to get into it. And so it doesn't happen all the time. And so when it does, it's just an electric factory in the outfield grass. Everyone's high five and celebrating. The defense is falling apart. No, no, five points, five points on the home run. So uh, it's a competitive atmosphere. And I, uh, yeah, I do enjoy that. And then I also enjoy working with the high school kids after, um, honestly, as many coaching reps as I can possibly get. That's that's why I look at it as I try and make sure that uh, I represent UCSB well and get all the kids fired up about playing baseball and enjoying themselves safety and fun are always the first two things I talk about. And then in the meantime, I get to hone my skills as a coach and try and help these players get, get better and become passionate about the game. I think that's what's really important, especially with the younger kids. Electric factory. That approach is just electric factory in itself. 
that approach to youth camp, which is what you just said. It's great. It's great. Um, so you said you like to ha- use them as coaching opportunities, right? More reps. And I'll, I'll see you on your phone looking at drills or looking at something that somebody sent you for like infield drills. And you probably, you use your best stuff for the gauchos, of course. Do you ever, like, has anything that you've worked on with little kids or with, like, the high schoolers, like, you've honed it enough to where you can bring it into working with the gauchos? Everything I teach the kids is the exact same thing I teach the gauchos. <laughs> like, the exact same thing. What I, like, what I've, de- what I've worked to develop is a concept that can be applied to anybody. And, frankly, like, the younger kids have been where I've refined and really chewed on these concepts until they become a, a finished product. And then I, that's when I can now apply it to the college players. I feel like the presentation of the information is very digestible. And so it's a lot easier to get better. And that has come through a ton of trial and error. And with kids, you have to be very clear and very pre- precise while also very simple with your instructions because they'll get confused and you can sap athleticism so quick if you uh, get too mechanical with kids. And so finding that balance of trying to create environments where they move certain ways on their own without you necessarily having to tell them, and then also giving them uh, information that really is tangible for them and they can continue to apply it as they grow in the game. That's what I've found from working with the younger kids. And so that's why I view it as very important coaching reps. It's like a writer writing, writing down draft after draft after draft before then sending it out to the, uh, the editing company. And then they edit it and they send it back and they're like, no, we can't publish this yet. It's gotta be revised here. And then all of a sudden you scrap the whole thing, rewrite the whole thing again. And you do that for five years. And then now I can help Xander Darby get better at shortstop. Thank you for covering me on that because I botched that question, making it sound like you practice your coaching on 10-year-olds in order to apply them to the 18- and 20-year-olds that the Gauchos have. I'm not saying that that's a bad thing and that that doesn't happen, but the way you worded it, um, I could have framed my question to make it sound more like that. So nice work. Thank you. I could probably use a few more reps as far as asking questions in this interview. Well, that's the whole point of a podcast. That's right. This is, it's all about communication. That's right. So how about, how about routines and establishing routines for, for your infielders, guys like Xander Darby, guys like Jordan Sprinkle and, and the guys you had last year, like Cole Cummings and, and Marcos Castanon, like they always showed up and had a routine or something that they like to do to get themselves ready to get some feel with, for the glove or the weight of the ball in their glove. Like what's, do you stress routines or do you use something different like what kind of stuff are you instructing them on as far as preparedness it's a little bit of both you the game allows the game we use as a teaching (coughs) tool to uh, demonstrate what we want to get better at and what we need to get better at and so uh, based on what the game tells us we might apply routines towards the end in a certain direction one way or the other whether it's hop selection or angles or glove presentation uh, or catch play and footwork patterns, whatever it may be, that's uh, that's what the game tells us. But by and large, each guy on the team in the infield has a very specific routine that they do each week, and we grind them out uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday before games. And thank, thank you, shout out Kevin, for getting the field ready. And I always pester you to have the field ready an hour or two before it probably needs to be, just so that way we can get out there one-on-one with the infielders and really dial in their work. I mean, KJ does the same routine. He's been doing the same routine every week, basically for the last two years. Um, same with Bryce, Bryce Willits is, we made, we make some refining based on what the game tells us. And it's a, it's a two way street where the, the players oftentimes come to me and say, Hey, we need to work on this, or I think I want to get better at this. And so it's, it's more of a conversation than it is me telling them, Hey, this is your, these are your drills. This is what you're doing. It's a lot of trial and error and refining and communication along the way 
it's a working relationship. I don't, I'm not, a, I always tell them I'm not a dictator. I'm not here to tell you what to do. I'm here to help you get to where you want to go. Um, and so the first thing is being able to take ownership over your career and, and figure out what it is that you want to get better at. And usually we're on the same page because I gave them very clear outlines on what I expect in the infield, uh, whether it's technique or mentality. And then from there, they take it and run with it. And then now I get a text from Bryce saying, hey, can we get some early work? And I'll, I'll FaceTime and he just, I, as soon as I answer the phone, he says, yeah, I, I, I'm thinking I, I, I want to do this and I want to do this and I want to do this. And I said, okay, great. I'll see you at one. And he's like, one o'clock in for you? I'm like, yeah, one o'clock is great. I'll be there. And so now uh, he knows what he's working on. It's not a lot, a lot of conversation. And usually the, it's the work. And then outside of that is the conversation about anything but baseball, uh, family, friends, school, all that stuff. So. Well, one thing that gets overlooked a lot, I think, during the season is is practice time, because you're you're limited on practice time during the season because you're playing so many games and you're playing midweeks and then on the weekend and you're traveling, and you don't have as much time to work with the guys as you do in the fall, where it's pretty much practice six days, five six days a week, right? So having those things that you just discussed, you know, built in and then having the opportunity to do early work for home games, it's, it makes it that much more valuable to have those routines instilled in these guys and to have a support system like Spencer Erdman, the volunteer coach, and of course, DJ and Ferg and checks who make the field available and make the time available for the guys to, to get this stuff done and ultimately making them, better and yeah Chex is always uh uh the one orchestrating the the practice plans and the scheduling week to week to make sure that everything is following a very clear order following all the rules and so oftentimes I'll, I'll rely on him to say hey what do you think should i push these guys should i not push these guys how much early work should we do because i'll show up every single day and do it all day like just I, I won't stop because I, I want these guys to be good and whatever it takes, it, that's what, that's what it takes. It's just how I, how I was raised and uh, there's no excuses for me. I'm I'll, I'll work until uh, the, the guys get the results that they want. And so oftentimes it's checks pulling the reins and saying, Hey man, like these guys are tired. You got to take it easy on them. I'm like, Oh, come on. Like just a few more. Like, <laughs> Well, where did uh, your version of of uh, pressure defense come from? Was that something that that you learned from somewhere, or is it just kind of de- like developed and and just kind of became what it was? Because you got you got a guy on a stopwatch, and you got a real bat in your hand, and someone flipping to you, and they're they're getting timed on every single uh, flip, every single ground yeah, ball. Yeah, I mean, game like ground balls are hard to come by, uh, especially for our BP. You know, a lot. A lot of the times you'll hear infield coaches talk about, oh, you got to get libraries off the bat. They're really important. It's, I mean, outfield reps, BP is like the the pinnacle of defense defensive reps because they're as live as you can get. But for our offense, I, we don't hit many ground balls during BP. You know, we hit line drives, doubles, home runs, and BP all the time. And so you could stand there for two rounds straight working reads off the bat and not get a single ground ball. And so out of necessity, um, and then also along the way, understanding that playing at game speed is something that has to be learned and being in control of yourself and understanding, okay, what ground balls do I need to execute what footwork on to get the ball to first base or turn the double play and not feel like I'm in a rush, but also get the best runners down the line. Uh, that is where this kind of came about. And this was early on that I thought this way. And then it really, really took hold when I got to UCSB. Um, and I remember doing it with Cole Cummings last year, just every single week part of his routine was just side toss ground walls from different depths and different areas at their base at, towards the end. Um, and between that and then applying it to the whole team. And it's a fun way for the guys to get competitive and play game speed and get real ground balls. Um, and me to show off that I, I still got it. So uh, I'm trying to be the best I can, but 
at this point, the blue tarp steals so much exit velo that I feel like I'm still hitting soft ground balls. And uh, it's just it's the same thing as uh, beat the infielders or beat the infielders off side toss or a tee or a machine. I mean, I used to do that in high school and in college when, when I played. And now it's just matured into me being able to man- manipulate the barrel and get certain guys certain certain lane ground balls and certain angles that they have to take or maybe slow rollers in a certain area of the field so I can control it that way and make sure that they're, they're able to execute under pressure that uh, and feel like they're under control. And I think that uh, Oakley demonstrated that this weekend very well where he made some plays on the run where it just felt like, oh, like I'm operating at game speed. Like this guy's going to be out, but it looked like he was moving in slow motion. He got the ball there, no problem. Like that's ultimately what we're chasing. And so um, to see it pay off for him this weekend was was really nice to watch. Well, I was just going to say that the, the one the one ground ball that you struggle with is that backside four-hole ground ball from a right-handed batter because you're a right-handed batter, right? you got to work on that. that. Oh, my God. I, backside I, I, burned, four hole. I burned Oakley twice during in and out. It was so embarrassing. <laughs> I saw that. I saw that. Yeah, I was, we were trying to work on it at BP, and I was getting on Schreier for not being able to hit it. And then I smoke it past him twice, and he doesn't even get the ground ball. And then I'm flustered the rest of in and out because I, I just made her second baseman dive twice and not get the ball during in and out. And, of course, Oak's going to dive for it and try and pick me up. But, uh, yeah, that's that's on me. So, yeah, the final game, it's, it's, it's improving, but, it, obviously, it's a work in progress. Always a work in progress. All right, well, Gauchos are still a work in progress. And I, the record is there, 44 games in. We have 11 more to go and lots more opportunities to, to get better, lots more opportunities for early work, lots more coaching opportunities for Spencer Erdman. Um, one thing, can you give me one thing that you're looking forward to for the last 11 games of the season? Something that you want to see, something that you want to hear, or something that you want to do? I was just going to say being around the team. <laughs> These guys are great. I, I I cherish being around the guys. Like just the coaching staff and the players feels like everyone's pulling on the same rope and working in the same direction. So wins and losses, yeah, those are those are great. But I I mean the the breakfast on the road, the the bus trips, um, eating eating food. Shout out Hakame for keeping us fed. Uh, eating food before we get on the bus for a road trip. After we're all packed up at Caesar, that I actually told the guys that the other day. I was like, this is the best part of the entire weekend to me. Like the the <laughs> in-between time when you can just like mess around and, you know, just be normal. That uh that that to me, or playing playing board games and cards, all that stuff is uh some stuff that I cherish. The the baseball stuff is always fun and getting better is always fun. So um I think if you have a good good team that works hard and tries to get better every day and great direction like we have uh with checks and ferg and dj that i mean it's it's a great place to come to work every day so for me that's what i look forward to it's just nine more times to go out there and uh try and get better okay we're gonna leave it at that that's a great way to end it uh volunteer assistant spencer erdman uh you can see him in the third base coaching box uh, at all the games so uh, if you see him around town or if you take lessons, if your kids take lessons with Erdy um, or have a kid or kids that are interested in lessons, uh, you can give him a shout out or, or an email, send him an email, right? And then, um, yeah, clinics, camps this summer. We want to do a, a summer camp plug right now before we go? <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Yeah, we got, we got six weeks of summer camp, uh, Monday through Friday, 9 to 3. Our, our dates are on our website and they're on Instagram and Twitter as well. So shout out Brandy for getting those things put together. Um, she's saving the day on the social media side because we know I'm, I'm not the most artistic. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's what we got. Nine to three, lots of fun, lots of homers, lots of competitions. The goal every time is to make sure that the kids leave with a big smile on their face and tired from the day and looking forward to coming back tomorrow. So that's, that's what we got for summer. And then we, we have a few more clinics left on Monday nights. They fill up quick. So uh, if, if you want to sign up, they're, they're online. And then obviously lessons, I give them as, as much as I possibly can. 
And those summer camp dates, do they start at the end of June? Yeah, mid-June. There's three weeks before the 4th of July, and then that 4th yeah. of July week we take off. And then there's three weeks after that that week, starting July 11th. So depending on, on if we earn a spot in the postseason and then our postseason run, that all uh, will be taken into effect. But sign-up dates are online. Um, and so please check them out. Go to ucsb.cool slash gauchos. Shout out Ferg for that. It, and it's actually ucsb.cool yeah, slash yeah. gauchos. It, yeah, that's where epic, you can find all the camp stuff. Yeah, epic hyperlink. <laughs> epic. All right, Erdy. Um, thanks for the time uh, and your words of wisdom. And we'll see you at the yard. Go Gauchos. Thanks, Kevin. All right. Thank you to Aaron Parker. And thank you, Spencer Erdman. And shout out to our sponsors, Kyle's Kitchen and Smart Office Interiors. It was a good week for the Gauchos. Three and one. They're into the top 25 in the D1 Baseball Poll, Collegiate Baseball America. Uh, they're the number one ranked midway, mid-major in the 11.7 College Baseball Podcast Poll. Uh, not sure if many of you know that, but uh, 11.7 is the name of that podcast, and those guys do a lot of... Uh, Really fun college baseball coverage, and the Gauchos have been number one now for two straight weeks. So UCSB, getting some love, and it's well-deserved because they are on their way to a conference championship. Their magic number right now is two with six games to play uh, this week, Tuesday night against St. Mary's, and then non-conference this weekend against Dixie State. Uh, 5.30 Tuesday and Friday, 4 o'clock Saturday, and 1 o'clock on Sunday. That's going to do it for the podcast. Hope you enjoyed the interviews, and we hope to see you out at Seizure Wasaka Stadium this week. So please uh, have a good one, and go Gauchos.